Welcome to this episode of the Luminosity Podcast, hosted by Maria Conde. This podcast is an ongoing conversation to provide busy entrepreneurs, practical tools, and inspiring stories to live a healthy and abundant life with grace and ease. Welcome to the show. Here's your host, Maria Conde. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I'm super excited to be here today to talk about our mindset. And for this, we have the pleasure of speaking with Megan O'Neill. Megan is a business mindset strategist with international clientele. For over 16 years, she has assisted clients to break free um, of limiting core beliefs, fears, and patterns. Her work specializes in the area of mindset, helping clients understand why they are operating the way they are, and then working to clear it at a deep level so they can transform to who they really are. Megan's CBE journal journey began after realizing she logically and cognitively knew what her blocks were, but was stuck and couldn't make the changes she really needed. Fortunately, the universe intervened, as it does for us. She received a pamphlet in the mail about a workshop on a method called Core Belief Engineering, CBE. After experiencing the amazing results with CBE, Megan realized this was what she was meant to do and spent the years, next few years, training in this mindset technique. And uh, with that, I'm going to let her talk a little bit more about it. So welcome, Megan. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's great to have you here. And of course, you work in the same world as me about mindset. So this, you know, the people that are on right now don't know that we just had like a, almost like a 20-minute conversation <laughs> that we got all heated into about all this stuff because there's so much there and it's so deep and it's great. So um, so let's bring all that back into the okay. room right now. And uh, <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about um, your journey because I left off at a, a piece there and I know there's a little bit more there. So Well, yeah, because, you know, not many people know the method that I trained in, which is called core belief engineering. And I got into it because my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, told me about this method and how much it had helped him in his journey. And I was resistant to do work on myself, but, you know, our relationship was at the point where it was quite evident that I was the one who was sabotaging our relationship. And he pointed that out and I listened to him. And, you know, essentially I had to work on a lot of my trust issues. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I came from a family of divorce and I was carrying a lot of the stuff that I had grown up with into my relationship. And I knew that um, cognitively and logically that I didn't need to distrust this man. He was this beautiful, wonderful man, but I couldn't help myself. Mm -hmm. So when I heard about his experience and he, was, he went on about it for a long time, I thought, you know, that pamphlet came in the mail. What do I have to lose? And mm -hmm. then it was like, oh, you know, the, <laughs> the clouds. And I just was like, wow, this makes sense. All of a sudden, the things that I'm doing, the knee-jerk reactions that I have, they all make sense. Mm -hmm. So I literally quit my job not long after and thought to myself, why am I doing this? Why don't, why don't I go into this thing called core belief engineering, which really is a focus on core beliefs and how do beliefs manifest in our lives? So the way I expl I've explained it over the years is that beliefs are kind of like the lenses in which we see the world. And if you change your lenses, then you see the world in a different way. Yes. So I started off, did my training, and then I went into business, working with people's mindset uh, in the early 2000s. Okay. So You've been doing this a long time then, yeah. I've been doing it for, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. When I started off, you know, mindset and core beliefs were not the buzzwords. That no, no, 
no, it's big was, today. Yeah. But yeah, back then really it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, no. I was considered to be kind of kooky. Believe me when I went to parties, And you would have been back then. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. People ask me, what do you do, Megan? And they would just get these looks on their face. Right. But anyway, I, I loved it and I, it was what I was meant to do. And, and yeah, I started early on working. Um, I was sort of a generalist and then I fell into working with a lot of entrepreneurs because I'm from Toronto and Toronto is a Mecca for entrepreneurial thinking people who like change. Everybody's from a different place, right? It's a bit like Vancouver. Yeah. Very eclectic. Yeah. Very eclectic people from all over the world and they don't necessarily have the credential, recognized credentials in Canada. So they have to start their own businesses. And I grew up with an entrepreneurial father and he was a kook and a creative and typical of entrepreneurs. So I had that kind of upbringing where it made sense for me to go down that road too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's been a long journey. It's been over 16 years now, I guess. Yeah. I lose track wow. of time. Yeah. yeah. That's great though. And yeah. You've got a wealth of experience there and you've probably seen yeah. lots and done lots within that. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I that have. is awesome. And so let's talk, I want to, from our prior conversation before this, we talked a little bit about, um, this benefit piece and I want to dive into that. So if you can explain yeah. that whole concept, um, Okay, about so, about our beliefs and the benefits of holding those ones, even if they're not serving as well. Yeah. So over the years, people have come in and they rationally, cognitively recognize that they are holding a belief. Mm-hmm. So they might understand that they have a belief, say, about money or they have a belief about themselves that doesn't make any sense in the present day. Yes. And they will say, for example, I was telling you earlier that today I was working with a group of entrepreneurial women and one of them said, I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. And what I do when I look at something like a belief around guilt is I ask people, um, what is the benefit of having guilt? So a person comes in and they go, this is the negative belief I'm running. Mm-hmm. And I always start out my work with them asking, what is the belief around the negative belief? And initially when people get that question, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you, you lost me, girl. Yeah. You lost me. <laughs> How could there be a benefit to, for example, procrastination or how could there be a benefit to guilt? But how I answer that is that there is always a benefit to the status quo or it would not be the status quo. Absolutely. So, That's what we said earlier. If you didn't have that, you'd be just you'd change it because exactly. the logic is there that it's not, That's right. you shouldn't be doing I mean, that. Yeah, exactly. And we change things all the time when we yeah. realize that they're, they're, when we realize a belief is outdated. Yeah. Or we have experience that tells us that this is no longer the truth. We change it at the drop of a dime. Yeah. And in most areas, I think we do. But in some of the bigger, more emotional areas and areas in which we, we acquired our beliefs at an early age. So, mm-hmm. for example, I mentioned money. We, we learn our beliefs about money at a very young age. We learn our beliefs about relationships at a young age. And so we tend to wrestle to see those beliefs as being negative more so than other more modern beliefs. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, people will often come in and they'll say to me, um, when I worked in the area of relationships, people would say to me, you know what, Megan, I am so confident at work. I, when I walk in and deliver that, uh, deliver that talk at work, I feel like a million dollars and I have no problems in my confidence. But when I walk through the door and I, open my door up. I just, I feel like a little kid walking into that room. Mm -hmm. Now the difference is, is that when we create the professional personality, 
so our professional beliefs, we usually do it at the beginning of our 20s. And we do okay. it when we're, we're adults, yeah. right? We do it when we're adults. And we do it at a time period where we've individuated from our parents. And really, the beliefs are ours. Yes. They're through our experience. They're not given to us by our family, by our society. We are creating them, which mm-hmm. is why they feel natural to us. Okay. But when beliefs don't work for us is often when we have inquired them from other places, from our parents, primarily. Yes, you've taken on other, our society's exactly. beliefs that you should be doing exactly. X or you should be doing this. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's right. Exactly. And that word that you just use, should, mm-hmm. is how I identify beliefs. Because if mm-hmm. you say, I should be doing this or I should be doing that, that indicates there's a belief there. Yes, absolutely. It's a very in- interesting indicator there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I just want to touch base on something you said too, because I know when I was doing my um, speech certification last year, we talked about fear, obviously, a lot, because public speaking is everyone's number one fear, right? Yeah. And um, But what we had to do is you had to list out all your fears surrounding it, and then you had to go through and put the truth to that. Right. Each one of those, like you were saying, like the benefit, same thing, right? And, and going through and saying, okay, but is that really true? Yeah, exactly. You know, You're digging in. Yeah, you got to yeah. find out what's the root of all that. And, is, and then you sort of discredit all of those things about your fear that exactly. can happen, right? Or yeah. you know, what, are, what are your mitigations? If you, know, if you have that fear, what can you do to make that not a fear? Right. You know? And is yeah. that a valid fear? So if it is a valid fear that it could actually happen, you know, a lot of it isn't. A lot of it's just in our head that we're just, you know, you're yeah, afraid things are going to happen, right? <laughs> or not yeah, happen. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we're born and bred. And think about when you're a little kid and you are going to go and climb the monkey bars and your mother says to you oh you know so and so don't do that you might get hurt Hurt, so we learn at a really early age that risk and ultimately falling off which is failure is scary so we've internalized a lot of the fears so if i go up and and you know just talking about public speaking having worked with people on public speaking over the years Mm -hmm. their public speaking fears are um, created when they are very young They are in school, they put their hand up. So to give you an example, my 13-year-old was not volunteering in her class. And I said to her, well, what's going on, Sarah? What, you know, what's happening? And she said, mommy, if I put up my hand in class and I get it wrong, I'll be so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 13, she's creating this belief. It's already there. Yeah. It's already there. It's already there. And it's it's so hard. I mean, I try and be very mindful of it at home, obviously, because that's my world. And I have an 11 year old daughter. And right now she's at a horseback riding camp, terrifies me to no end. Yeah. And if I had my brother, she would not be there. Yeah. And it, she's so passionate about it. It's okay. Just drive out there. Just drive, right? Just drive, yeah, exactly. <laughs> drop her off, walk away, say a few prayers when you go to sleep at night. <laughs> exactly. And we have to get, when as parents, we have to get out of ourselves and that's you the do. challenge. And she loves it. And she'll come home just beaming about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and there's, I, I can't say, you know, you can't do it because I'm afraid, right? Yeah. And yeah. I have a really hard time watching it. And I've watched her get thrown off of a horse, smashed into the wall. And, you know, it. Exactly. You, and she so, gets up and carries on. And we, you know, I was like, oh my God, like this is going to do me in, right? Yeah. Except <laughs> but it's it my own stuff, her. right? That's right. Exactly. She's not afraid of it. Yeah. You know, and, she, was, and you she know, was jolted by the horse at that time. It took a bit to get back around, but she wanted to get back on and she knew she had to do it, right? Yeah. And I think we become way more conscious in our parenting. I think we have improved. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that we as parents um, recognize some of the limiting beliefs our parents handed to us. Yes, absolutely. I think it's, I think anyone, especially entrepreneurs, we're very much in the mindset world right now too, recognizing a lot of these things. So I still see it outside of that world a lot. Yeah. And I see it with even some of our teachers. They don't recognize some of the things, you know, the slightest little thing you can say will affect that child for this, the entire life of that person, exactly. right? Exactly. And it can be good or bad. You know, I can remember my grade 12, 11 English teacher. I have dyslexia. Yeah. So reading and writing for me were yeah. horrific events in my life, right? They were so yeah. hard. Yeah. But I remember him praising me for one of my papers that I wrote. And, and he loved the whole class. And he, he said how grateful he was to have us as students. And he learned so much from us. And that person, to this day, changed my whole perspective on my ability to write, to, to read. Um, I love that positive story, Maria, because yeah. I, normally, I normally hear the opposite. And you do. Yeah. 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 Where and I, I would have teacher, had some teacher at some point that told me, I, I remember being exactly. in kindergarten actually and being embarrassed because I couldn't read properly. Right. right. Yeah. And so this was grade 11. I was actually grade 12. It was grade 12 when I had that teacher. So, I mean, we're talking a lot of time spent in there too. <laughs> and were, did you know that you had dyslexia by that point? I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My parents, you know, I I was fortunate to have quite educated parents and from a very young age, they knew that things weren't right. And uh, the tools back then weren't, you know, that's 45 years ago, the tools for dyslexia weren't the technology we have today, right? (laughs) They were trying to get me to speed read and do all sorts of things that were probably counterintuitive. But (laughs) my brother was dyslexic. So I understand that he, 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 he's older than me. So I, my parents also invested and understood about dyslexia. Yeah. But so many people didn't have the advantage of having parents yeah. that had that type of education or were tuned in or, you know, had the diagnosis or whatever. Yeah. And their experience in school was horrible. So they walk away with the belief, and this translates to the entrepreneurial world because you probably know this already, but people who are, um, have learning disabilities or have um, ADHD or whatever, they tend to actually be better entrepreneurs. And it's yes. that. And many of the famous entrepreneurs who are the innovators who think outside the box were forced to think outside the box yeah. due to the fact that they had learning disabilities and ADHD. Yeah. And I think so, of Richard Branson with that. Exactly. He talks about having dyslexia, right? And, exactly. You know, look where he is, right? <laughs> so many, so many. Um, I mean, I could go on. Actually, one of the books, I'll just mention this, that I loved reading was um, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, David and Goliath. So okay, you, yes, I actually have that, but I didn't finish it though. Okay, well, I, yeah, I'll have to pull it off the shelf again. <laughs> yeah, because there's a section on it about those really successful entrepreneurs and thinking outside the box. Yeah, but there's so many people who had the opposite experience of you, and they had that teacher who told them that they were too loud or they didn't, they weren't quick enough, or and so when it comes to things like public speaking. Um, they walk in with these preconceived beliefs about themselves. Like I'm not going to do well. This is not my forte. I don't, you know, or math. I grew up at the table where math was not our thing in our family. You know, we Mm. weren't good at that. So there's these familial beliefs that we inherit that we carry forward. Yeah. And then that of course becomes your identity. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You own that. It becomes you. That's you. You. And I talk about that because I, my money before I was working with people with debt and you get that mindset that I'll be in debt forever. Debt is just right. me. It's how I live my life. It's just me. And I'll have that forever. It's just the way I am. Yeah. And, you know, and I said that for many, many years that I will always have debt, you know, and I'm okay with it. And yeah. I just got this mindset that it was okay. And now, I mean, obviously it works through that and on the other end of the spectrum now. And I kind of 
don't like when I don't have money or the number of mon- amount of money that I think I should have. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but it takes a while to get through that because it was just part of me. It was inherently inside of me, deep in my subconscious that just, and it worked to actually keep it that way. Well, the subconscious is pro- like, it's listening to all those cues, right? Exactly. And so, you know, when you ask people, what's the benefit of death, debt, for example, they might say, well, it keeps me from being too proud or it keeps me from getting too big for my britches or yeah. the benefit might be that I don't want to lose my family because if I'm the rich one in the family, I'm the one who doesn't have debt, I'm not struggling, I'm doing well, then perhaps I'll lose my connection with them. Yeah. So our, our, our mind is really tricky and you know, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's complex but in a beautiful way. You know Absolutely. what I mean? You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And overall, it's serving us to get through life. And it's the more we create the awareness over the years, you know, we just work with that. Yeah, exactly. And it is a lifelong journey. It's not something that just happens overnight. You don't open the book and say, oh, yeah, I'm fixed. It doesn't, yeah. you know, we'd like to think that way. But, you know, and we do have some major milestones that are, you know, I, I remember one of mine that I opened one of these books that was on my shelf for years because I'm a bookie. And I, you know, have a whole library back there. Yeah. <laughs> and I pulled one off that had been there for probably 10 years. And I read it and all of a sudden it's like, how did I not get this before? You yeah. know, like I was obviously not open to this because this makes yeah. total sense to me now. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of my catalysts for changing my money mindset because all of it made sense now. That's why I do what I do. Yeah, That's I why think I we, think what I do. And yeah. I don't have to think like that anymore. No, and I think there's this natural maturity and evolution and coming into yourself as a woman that I Absolutely. think helps. You Absolutely. Know, think- yeah, you know, there's huge amount in that. I just turned 50 this last year and... You know, you know, we were talking a little bit more about the millennials and younger, even teenagers and stuff, and that that wisdom. I never got it when I was that age either. I didn't, you know, you think you know everything and you just but now at the other end of the spectrum, and like, you know, I, I wouldn't listen to somebody who was fifty at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. know everything, you know. And no, no, no we don't know everything, but we also recognize we don't know everything and it's all we know a lot more of not knowing a lot more. <laughs> Well, and I think, I think, you know, I've worked in, when I was working in the area of relationships, I ended up working with a lot. Um, it seemed like people who were deciding on their relationships and what they wanted for themselves in relationships, they actually stepped into their power younger yeah. than I think, um, to be honest, my generation. I think that there actually is a change in beliefs about what people want in their relationship. Now, you, mm-hmm. can, you can make the judgment of whether or not you think that's wrong. I thought it was right to understand what you needed in a relationship and step into that. So mm-hmm. I was really impressed actually with some of the younger, younger people that could do yeah, that. Yeah, I was yeah. actually more than say, for cool. example, when I was working with people in their fifties who were in that, in, in the case of me working with them, staying in relationships that really were not yes. working for them anymore. Absolutely. This is the mindset that they were brought up with at a very young age exactly. that you had to be there. Right. Yeah. And I, I admire the, our younger group of people right now that really um, have, I want to say no fear, but they, they overcome those fear moments a lot easier than we do. Yeah. Um, I find a lot of them just rise up and say, I'm here, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take this on. And you're like, okay, yeah, I know. I <laughs> no, we it. wouldn't do that ourselves. Right. So no. no. And I think, yeah. that, you know, um, I think about my mother's generation and, and, you know, because of this year and the me too coming up yes. and I was thinking about my mother and how in many ways I was, I think it was a real talking about beliefs coming to the surface. The B2 sort of triggered me to think about what I had put up with in my life oh, and what yes. I had unconsciously put up with and how I thought that that was just the way it had to be. 
And that I'm, that, I'm with you totally on that. I know, went through that same thing myself. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, boom, it's like all of a sudden I just went, wait a minute. I had all those years of listening to that and just kind of, but I was taught that at my mother's knee, by the way. Yeah. And, and society too propels that totally. too, right? Totally. Totally. And so, you know, 2018 for me is really about um, coming into the knowledge that, wait, I don't have to put up with some of the things that I thought were normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think there's an age thing too. We have the me too thing happening. Plus we have our, you know, as you age, it doesn't matter what age, as you grow in yourself, even if you're a young person growing by wanting to, you know, learning all these things and, and cause there's so much more available now on mindset and, exactly. and just self-help in general is so huge right now to, you know, grow humanity and the plan, like everything has to change right now, right. In a positive direction. Yeah, And, and there's yeah. so much there now that, you know, it's, It'll be. I'm excited to see what's going to happen in our world in the next while. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm absolutely excited too. And and I do think that you know there was a certain time period. Like I remember when I was, I guess, in my teens. For example, Oprah started. You know mm-hmm. this show, and I used to come home from high school and watch Oprah. Yeah. You know, and so my mother wouldn't have had that experience. No, she was young. No, absolutely not. Right? So, And they, they had the traditional housewife show that says, this is what you do when you get home, exactly. you know, wait, waiting for your husband to come home from work, right? Exactly. And the drink in hand. And exactly. Quick. And your hair all oh, done. And yeah. Exactly. I want see, one of those. We, we call those cartoons that you see on those yeah, now, right? Exactly. I want one of those though. Yeah. yeah. And, so, yeah. and now it's actually in my world, I have an 11 year old daughter and I find the roles are very reversed now. I go to my daughter's dance classes, all the father's dealing with all the drop-offs picking up and coaching the child there, you know, to, yeah, to deal with whatever's going on in the moment. And yeah. But those women um, in many ways, and I think this is a really, that's a good sign for a relationship because I think that in many ways we had to learn to give up some of our beliefs about what our role is. Yeah. And we had to allow the fathers yes. to step up. I mean, they had to obviously step up and take that initiative but also we needed to, to rejig some of our beliefs around yes. what it meant to be a mother. Yep. Um, I was just talking to a group of entrepreneurs and they were talking a lot about the um, yin and yang, the pull between yep. being an ambitious entrepreneur and being a mother yes. and being a wife or a spouse. And I mean, I get that. I really understand that. And I, in my answer to that, when they were talking about what can we do is I think we just need to get really clear within ourselves what we want for us. What's important to you and your core beliefs and all that's holding you, that's going to propel you in the best way possible in life. Exactly. So then if you understand that this is what you want for yourself in your life right now, and it might be putting all of your hours into your business at this point, and that's what feels right and good for you, then you eliminate guilt. Yes. And make sure all that's taken care of the best that you can so that you don't have that guilt either, right? Like make it work for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Or if you're at home or you're spending a lot of time on your relationships or whatever, then that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you need in that moment to make you your best person going forward. Exactly. And we do have to take the time whether, you know, there's all those different aspects of our life. When you get into life coaching, you have your little wheel of life and there's all those different uh, pieces of the pie that you have to make sure are whole. And, you know, and you have to take time to actually work on each of those areas to make yourself a whole healthy person. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm all about. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. Yeah. This has been an awesome conversation. We're going to carry on in a second with our insight round, but I wanted to know, is there a really important message you'd like to talk to or uh, leave with our listeners before we carry on to that next segment? 
you know, I, I'm asked a lot about how to change core beliefs. And I guess one of the first things that I really want people to do is really become aware of their beliefs. So, mm-hmm. and so when you hear or you feel discomfort in some area, whatever it might be, it's an opportunity for you to ask yourself, okay, I'm feeling really triggered, for example, because we're entrepreneurs, really feeling triggered by that person online. And I'm feeling triggered because I've done and I have more years than her, mm-hmm. but she seems to be doing better than me. And that's triggering the hell out of me right now. Mm-hmm. What I really want people to start to become aware of is I want them to become aware of what's the button on your chest. And I always describe it as my client. Like, <laughs> you know, remember the, the uh, big red button from yeah. Staples? Yeah. What, you know, what's beneath that, that button? Don't just take it for face value, but really think about what do I believe about that person? What do I believe about my competency? Mm-hmm. What do I believe about my value? And I think that every single time uh, people look at their beliefs, but they don't just take them for granted, like they dig deeper on their beliefs. Mm-hmm. If you hear the should, if you hear the should, what's the belief behind the should? Yeah. Dig down deeper on it. And once you start to become really aware of what's going on within yourself, you can call yourself on some of those beliefs. Because as you said with the speech, when you're looking mm-hmm. at what's the worst case scenario, yeah. what is the worst case scenario? If I believe that I'm going to fail, well, what is what's the worst thing about failing? What does failing mean to you? Yeah. And you learn so much. In, uh, and it's interesting because my daughter's Taekwondo instructor, he actually once said that there's no such thing as failure. Right. There's wins and there's lessons. And that's what it is. If you want to call it a failure, those are actually lessons. They're yeah. not failure. You've just right. learned something. That's right. So you you've learned a way that's not going to work so well. Right. And so if you look at any of the successful entrepreneurs that you admire or any of the successful people that you admire, then you look and they'll often say, well, I'm not exactly an overnight success. No, you, you listen to their stories, all of it. Right. And they are not overnight. They had to struggle. They had to... They've um, had 37 cents in their wallet before. Exactly. And then they failed and invested and... Yeah, and lost know, everything once or twice. That's right. And so, and, and felt like, you know, felt shitty about themselves. Yeah. And then they realized, wait a minute, I'm going to p- pick myself off the floor. Yeah. And try and find a new way of doing things. Or maybe I'm not going to do this anymore. Maybe it's okay to give this up, you know? Yeah. There's, there's, there's really, I think this idea that we have in our head that this is the reality, but when you actually look at it and you go, wait a minute, hey, that person failed that many times, but here they are. Well, this is a lesson for me because you're right. It is an education experience. Yeah, It is about where, what was happening within me when I made that decision. Yeah. And maybe I, cho- I chose to go down that route because I thought I should. Yeah. And there's only a failure because of your ego. Right. If you take your ego out of it, that's right. It's not a failure anymore. <laughs> right. And our ego is fear, right? And that's yeah. really what it comes down to. It's all about our fear and yeah. what am I not enough of? Yeah. So there's a I, lot of that in the world of not being enough. Oh, I think that's one. I think that's one of our probably one of our biggest issues yeah. right now is not being enough because there's so much that's expected, especially if you're a woman entrepreneur and a mother and a husband and exactly. a wife, I should say. And you know, there's so much you think there's so much expected of you. Right. And we, uh, and so, you know, part of, of what I have seen over the 16 or so years that I've been working with people is that they're really the ones who get in their own way. And oh, so once you, you know, once you understand that, that's the good news because you can get out of your own way. You can clean your side of the street 
Can't clean yeah. other people's sides. So that's the good news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love all of this conversation. I know we could probably sit here for two or three hours, <laughs> but I need to keep on track. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, so now we're going to get to know you a little bit more. And yeah. um, what was one mindset? This is the insight, insight round. It's meant to be a little bit more fun. I find the beginning of it always gets a little more serious, but we'll try and do what we can with it. Um, so what was one mindset that was holding you back personally? Uh, well, I mean, I have to say I had quite a few, but when I think <laughs> about, you know, I really, it's true. Yeah. I think that, um, I think one of the main things that I discovered in my work was that, um, and this is actually a real, really informs me working with people is that I gave my authority away hmm. to other people. So, you know, I, I think that I ran a lot of beliefs that were my parents and thought okay. that those beliefs were correct. And even when you, and I, and I mean, I literally have worked with say 65 year old women and I'll say to them, well, when do you think it would be okay for you to do what you want? And they'll say, well, when my mom dies oh. and I'm like, okay, but you're 65. So I think, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think that I spent a long time making decisions, um, based on giving my authority to my mother or to um, my sister or to people who I thought their feelings were more important than my own. Absolutely. And that's a, it reminded me of the book by uh, Gay Hendricks, yeah. which is the big leap. And he talks yeah. hugely about that piece. Yeah. And yeah, that was spot yeah. on for what he, he does. Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And so what was one person that changed your life for the better? Oh my gosh, I had so many people change my life. Um, you know what? It's funny. The first thing that sort of first person that comes to my mind is Oprah. I'm such a big Oprah yep. fan. I, I mean, she really changed um, the way that I thought about the world. I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, you could say I was indoctrinated in the truth. <laughs> Coming home from, from Love it. But I, I really you know, I really benefited from her guests. And I think that, you know, to see someone like that, who, especially as a business person, I mean, I have to say that on a personal level, obviously she, she's affected us all, but the fact that Oprah was so confident listening to her own voice yeah, and following and, and, you know, when other people were coming in and telling her once again, we were talking about her business model wasn't working or she'd never be successful as she started. And she went down this road she just, you know, went, Hmm, is this, you know, is this how I feel? What is, what are my feelings telling me? What's, what's going to work my, for me in my life and what do exactly. I want? Yeah. yeah. And what is, what am I called to do? Yeah. You know, that's a huge thing I, for her. Totally. And to serve. And I really feel like most of us want to serve the world in some way. I think most, especially, well, I mean, especially women, I think that yeah. we, we, we really do want to find a way in which to make the world better and to serve. And I think that um, once we sort of step into our own authority and our own power, we can figure that out. So I, I learned from her to just listen to your voice, listen to, to what is calling you. Mm -hmm. We have to get that intuition going and follow yeah. that a lot more as yeah. opposed to the ego and what society's yeah. telling us and all that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Um, so what is the best advice you've ever received? Is there like a nugget of advice that you've ever gotten or? Well, you know what? I, yeah, you probably have read Barbara Stanny. And uh, I Jane, haven't. You, oh my God. No, I haven't. You would love her. Okay. So for anybody who's listening to this, she is an author, um, a financial author. And she, I think she's done, she's done a, like probably about five books, but one of them is 
under earning. It's, it's, oh, sorry, I'm forgetting what the name of it is. The most recent. I'll look it up. Done. I'm a book yeah. fan. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, you will, love this. you will adore this. But her, the most, um, the most recent that she's done that I think you will benefit the most is called Sacred Success. And she's talking oh. about her journey in this book about how she was the daughter of the H&R, one of the founders of H&R Block. Okay. And she essentially, her, her, her story very quickly is she, she ended up marrying a compulsive gambler mm-hmm. who essentially took all of her money and she was bankrupt and he left her and her marriage fell apart. And she just went on this journey of fixing her own money mindset stuff and empowering herself. And she had three young children while she was doing it. So it's even more impressive being a single mm-hmm. mom, really going through this journey. But she has three daughters and she's, when her daughters phone her up and they say, oh, mom, I'm really, I'm really afraid to do this. I'm really, I don't know. Should I do it? I'm afraid to do it. She always says, if you fear it, do it. Ah. And so I tend to go, okay, I'm, I, do I want to do like in terms of business? Yeah, I'm absolutely. Gonna, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm right now I'm working on an e-course or whatever. Things that you are writing a book or, and things you're like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of doing it. Do it anyway. Yeah, I love that. And I love her story. And I love the fact that she gives her daughters the advice. If you're afraid, do it. I love that. I love that. Oh, and being a parent of a daughter, it's, it's, um, and I do that with her, but I don't do it for myself, actually, when I think about it. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, it, yeah, it gives me some inspiration to, to work through when you're in that fear mode, right? Yeah, absolutely. So this next question is, which we talked about this before our call, but I'll let you choose what you want to talk about. Uh, share a self-care habit that you practice regularly. Well, I, I have a beagle puppy. Oh, am, yes. I'm a big dog and cat person, but the cat doesn't get me out. I feel a real connection with taking my dog for a walk. So I, for me, self-care is going out with my dog and Absolutely. Going walk during the day and, and having that time away from my, you know, my work and my family and I'm the only one who walks the dog. So of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that is true self-care. I got the dog with the intent that that was for me. You know what? I've thought about that many times and is for me to get out into nature. Cause I find that is one of the most balancing soulful things I can do for myself. Right. And exactly. I don't do it, but if I have this little sweet, little thing that's going to jump up on me and say, it's your cue now. <laughs> well, and they enjoy it, Maria. They love it. They look yeah. for it. Yeah. So joyful. It's like, and you know what? If you, especially if you're a solopreneur and you're in your, your place a lot by yourself, yeah. you need all the kooky dog people too. And they, oh yeah. Family, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Um, so do you have a favorite quote? Um, I think that was pretty well it. That's sort of what my quote is right now is do what you fear. I think that, yeah. that if I, you know, if I That's have something deep. up, yeah. And, and for me, it's really relevant right now because the mm-hmm. more that I stretch myself and the more, and the older I get, like I'm, I'm yeah. jumping on your heels at 50. Um, I feel like I want to, I want to do the most that I can do and get away from my fears. So that's kind of that, that really, that's the one that I, that I keep at the back of my mind right now. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I always get so inspired by these. It's like, wow, I just want to talk forever again, right? (laughs) Um, Where was I now? Oh, boy. Now, this is a loaded question because every time I talk about this with anybody, it says, what book are you reading right now? Yes. And everybody I interview has many books on the go. So, you know, pick one that works for you right now. (laughs) Well, one that I'm pretty, that's very different than what I Mm -hmm. do is I'm reading a book on Leonardo da Vinci. 
So uh-huh. it's a biography on, did you, have you seen this book? You know what? You're the second person that said that to me. Is that right? Yeah. yeah this guy is. So this, this author, um, he wrote a book on Steve Jobs, which I read maybe five years ago. Uh-huh. And then he did it on Leonardo da Vinci. Wow. Yeah. And I was a history major in university Oh, okay. and I did a lot of art history. Any chance that I oh. could, I did art history and Leonardo, um, you know, he's, he was, he was a, the Renaissance man. I mean, you couldn't read about a more interesting guy. I mean, yeah. science and, and you it, know. we talked earlier about like the people that are not the mainstream that just let, um, we're talking about the dyslexia and people that are just different in whatever way they just, they, exactly. there's no stigma. Like they just don't hold themselves back. Right. They do what yeah. they want. They live on their own agenda and they, the most amazing things come out of that. Well, and you know what I learned about Leonardo that I think is, is really interesting is that he would start projects and then he'd leave them for five years and go back to it or 10 years. And wow. so, and, and, you know, that there was neither here nor there for him to do that. He just would, you know, the, he would, and so, you know how we always um, criticize ourselves for being, you know, and especially people who are creative, maybe ADHD, mm-hmm. yeah. design, you know, the creative types yeah. get criticized for not following through and finishing our jobs. Absolutely. And yet that's what makes us great in this area. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, I'm really happy to hear that probably one of the, the most famous geniuses of all time, you know, he started projects and didn't finish them and didn't feel one iota of guilt or didn't have any self-recrimination about how he lived as no. a creative person. Yeah. Right? And look what the world has benefited from, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, uh, just another person also along those lines is Warren Buffett. And one ah, of the things yes. that Warren Buffett does is he spends a lot of his day reading. And, yeah. you know, Winston, so he was, you know, one of his best friends is Bill Gates. And I was watching an interview with the two of them. And Bill Gates said that he has picked up this habit from Warren because he used to be, I need to have 10 minutes here and do 10 minutes of this. And then I'll book, and he would book the hell out of his day. Yeah. And he would leave no room for creativity or reflection uh, or breathing. Breathing. Yeah. Right. And I mean, the wow. richest man in the world seems to be able to spend his day reading and reflecting. And he's always done that. Even when yeah. He was yeah. Warren Buffett's fascinating when you get into Isn't his, he? yeah. Oh, I love S- this Simple, guy. simple life, but just yeah. the brain turned on in the right direction and made it happen. And grateful. Grateful yeah. for everything, right? Yeah. 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 yeah fascinating. Wow. So what is one thing that you are most passionate about? And it doesn't I, have to be work either. It can be whatever you want in life. Well, you know what? I think that, that I am, I'm, I'm passionate about a couple things, but I'm really passionate right now, to be honest, and once again, going back to the Me Too movement, I'm really passionate about helping women at this point um, create more bounty in their life, like having a more abundant life, because I mm-hmm. feel like with the modern world right now, and it feels very chaotic, right? It yes. feels like there's a lot of shifts going on and there's a lot of negativity in the world. And I feel like this is the opportunity for women at this time to really step into our power and to, 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 to therefore having that power change and implement changes in the world that we know is, are going to benefit the world. Like we need that female energy right now. We do. So I feel like I'm talking a lot and really passionate about that seems to be a subject right now that I'm talking to a lot of people about. Yeah. Like if you and I are more powerful, whatever way that is, you know, I'm thinking about it in terms of business because mm. that's my focus. Yes, of course. 
And I'm thinking to myself, you know, if women are really feeling powerful in business and they have more monetary freedom, they will um, implement and they will, for example, run for things, physical office, or they will donate their time to things, or they will mentor people. Like, I just feel like that we are, we've got all this beautiful feminine energy that we need to bring into the world right now. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what I'm, I'm kind of on a kick about that right now. Uh, it was a good kick to be on. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I love this whole conversation. It's been amazing. I don't know how long is that? 45 minutes with you? Yeah, almost an hour. I know it's, it's been great though. And I love meeting with you and talking. We've talked a couple of yeah, times too, now right. and it's, it's been lovely. And um, the last question I have for you today is where can everyone find you if they want to connect with you? Well, uh, most people connect with me now on Facebook. So Megan at at Megan Core Beliefs is the easiest way to find me on Facebook. Or I've had my website for many, many moon now, which is meganoneal.ca because we're in Canada. So I have the (laughs) CA. So people can find me and learn more about me. And, you know, I always encourage people if they are, you know, interested in diving deeper on their core beliefs and understanding how they're getting in their own way then, you know, find me and book a free talk. I give a free, free clarity call. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll have all that on the show notes, all the links to all that. So people can capture that there. And it's been a pleasure. And thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing with me. I loved it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today. Show notes are available at www.mariaconde.com.